good Wednesday morning, and today we'll be finishing up the three-part series uh, around three quotations that changed the way John thinks. And if you guys are enjoying this, please subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel. Also, we would love to hear uh, your reviews that you would leave us, either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. With that being said, too, if you have a question for John, please ask them. You can find a link to do that in the description below, or you can visit www.johnpatrick.ca forward slash ask. So here we are. This is the third part in the three-part series of the quotations that changed the way John thinks. This one came out of uh, anger, really. Um, I, I read a... I don't even know why I read it, but I, I ended up reading a paper in the... Uh, uh, Canadian Medical Association Journal, or maybe someone gave it to me, but it was written by two feminists, basically uh, giving a feminist approach to medicine, which I thought, and the modern medicine that was on the way of intellectual, an intellectual desert, basically. I was so angry, I sat down and wrote a paper. This has happened to me. This happens to me every now and again, and it started by quoting W.H. Auden in his description of a doctor. Uh, the paper's called uh, Medicine and Healthcare, The Case for Their Divorce. If you're interested in digging it out, you'll find it in the uh, Canadian Medical Association Journal a good many years ago. But Auden wrote this, he said, Give me a doctor partridge plump, short in the leg and broad in the rump. An endomorph with gentle hands, who will not make absurd demands that I abandon all my vices. But with a twinkle in his eye, will tell me that I have to die. Now that is so opposed to the, con the current medical school. Uh, it's paternalistic, it's not scientific, it, it's so bad from their point of view, and yet it's brilliant. It's exactly what you want. Uh, especially at the end of your life. So I, I wrote the essay and uh, I felt better and I thought, well, I'll pop it through the door of the CM, uh, the Canadian Medical Association Journal, which I passed almost, I only had a minor detour to pass by. So I popped it in the envelope and said, you might, though I doubt it, consider publishing this in response to that paper. To my amazement, the next day I got a call from the editor and she said, um, this is a good essay, it's well written. I'd like to publish it, but I will not publish it unless you allow me to allow the disputants to have a response immediately, to be published next to you. That's unusual. Normally you publish and then people respond. But she said, no, they've got, uh, they've got to be able to respond uh, immediately. And basically what they wrote was that I was a dead white male. Um, and therefore, I was of no significance and should be dismissed. No argument at all. This was my first real introduction to the phenomenon that is now in the woke world. This is what the woke world is about. You'll notice they never make an argument. Uh, they sneer and they label people they don't agree with, but they never make an argument. They never sit down and say, okay, what's the argument? How do we take it apart? They don't do that. Uh, the famous interview between Jordan Peterson and uh, uh, 
the TV presenter in England, what was her name now? Forgotten. Anyway, you'll find it easily. Uh, she'd made a very smart woman who was very good at rhetoric and very good at being rude. And she had a program in BBC. Cathy Newman, I think is her name. Um, taking smart, largely men down in public, you know. Uh, it's always fun seeing somebody who's, you know... Up the, up the pecking order, so to speak, taken down by somebody else. And she foolishly invited Jordan Peterson to appear on the program without doing enough homework. And uh, uh, he took about, uh, took her down. And I mean, the phrase that she kept using, what you're saying is, and then he would say, no, that's not what I'm saying. Um, and at the end, uh, he asked her a question and she was stunned. She said, I don't know what to say. And that was the end of the program. It was perfect television. But it went viral in the millions within a few weeks and Jordan Peterson's career was launched because of that TV interview. Uh, taking down a, a woman who'd got all the usual prejudices of the age about paternalism and uh, inequities of, uh, of income. You know, uh, and Peterson says to her at one point, don't you know about multivariate analysis? Whenever you are, you want to propose one thing like gender and correlating it with uh, income, that's correlation and is not causation. Surely you've been taught never to allow yourself to proceed from correlation to causation without having some testing of that. It ought to be in every school over the, the blackboard or whatever they use nowadays on the screen. Correlation does not equal causation. At one stage, the population in the growth, the change in population in Sweden was more precisely related to the change in density of storks, the birds who used to bring the babies. Remember, uh, you must have seen the pictures in the past of a stork arriving at a baby. Well, there was a better correlation with the stork population than there was with marriage. That's not surprising, is it? But there you go. Correlation doesn't equal causation. Uh, Thomas Sowell is constantly saying that. Everybody says they know it, but they don't behave as though they believe it. That's what was happening. So uh, medicine has lost its way as a pre-scientific activity. And that's what I had to point out. That Doctors are much older than the university. There have always been people who are sort of quasi-doctors way back to the witch doctor and whatever. Basically, they were herbalists. Um, in Africa, where I spent a lot of time, uh, the natural doctor is... There's some treatments that work, but he's an extremely good toxicologist. They can poison you easily, and they do. Mobutu had his own personal... Uh, uh, witch doctor if you like and if you were invited to dinner with Mobutu you were quite likely not to survive the meal the white powder on the plate you didn't know um, and how quick or how slow was part of his pleasure so there's no trust for a witch doctor because you must always know whether somebody else has paid more for your death than you paid for your life and the only way you can find out is by trying it. He never loses. We're moving back to that. Hippocrates and his colleagues realized that the fact that doctors killed, which they did forever, 
in the past was actually undermining trust and trust is therapeutic. So what are we doing now in a, a historical 21st century? We're bringing killing back and we're going after doctors who won't do it. This is so monstrously wrong and ahistorical. That's where we're at. When you're dying, you want a doctor you can trust. So if anybody's going to kill you, it ought not to be him. We should have done that with both abortion and euthanasia. Yeah, A secular society will want both and will probably have the political power to have both. But please, if you've got any sense at all, make it a separate profession so that you know what you're doing when you go to the euthanist or the abortionist. I know that a secular society will want both and in our multicultural societies they will have their way of doing it. Um, some places like Jamaica for instance is beautifully hypocritical about it. They don't want to say that abortion is right but they want it. So their abortion rate is higher than that of Canada on a population base and it's still illegal in the legal code. But the police never enforce it because uh, if it's going to be done, it should be done well. Nobody wants to see someone die of a septic abortion. It's one of the worst ways to die. They inflated the figures dramatically. If they were anywhere near true, the nephrology units couldn't have coped because the standard, one of the standard ways to die from uh, a septic abortion is acute renal failure. Um, so I don't want to make it illegal. But I do want to be given the opportunity to make it unthinkable. I talk about abortion regularly, um, deconstructing not a woman's right to choose, but questioning whether she's got her choosing right, and she hasn't. So that lecture, which makes the case for abortion first, better than they do, so everybody relaxes and thinks he's pro-choice, because I've made such a good case for it. And then I take it to pieces. I mean, that's Thomas Aquinas's advice. Whenever you have something to talk about that's contentious, the first thing you do is make your opponent's case better than they can do it. And then you deconstruct it. Uh, most pro-choice people, when you ask them, can you list the consequences of abortion? They can't do it. The lecture ends with the same line every time. I've laid out two worlds for you. Which one do you want to give to your children? And it's the pro-life one. Which has a space. I mean, uh, God doesn't stop you doing what's wrong. He tells you it's wrong and says there will be consequences if you do it. And we should follow the master. Uh, one day, he says, justice is mine. I will repay. It's not your job yeah, in, in most cases. So that line of thinking made me realize I had some things to do and I started writing one or two other things and like the myth of moral neutrality was the first explicitly Christian thing that I published and to my astonishment it changed my life. Um, again it was anger. Uh, the psychology, psych well, the Faculty of Education sent a missive around the university saying that all teaching should be from a morally neutral position. Position doesn't exist. 
neither is a morally neutral medicine which is what they're applying medicine is a moral activity because it helps the patient to decide what they ought to do and ought is a moral world word um, education is in the same category you ought to be building the minds of the, the young it's a moral word so you need a moral structure what's your moral structure they don't have one they pretend you don't need it and so they actually sent this missive around saying teaching should be from a morally neutral position the position doesn't exist and uh, I wrote a in three hours I wrote a paper and sent it to a friend to publish uh, not to read and he published it in a small Christian journal in Canada I didn't think anything about it because didn't think anyone would read it but that changed my life too but Auden's wonderful definition of a doctor any physician who wants to provoke uh, his patients into thinking a little bit should have it on his visiting card or something like that. It's, this is the kind of doctor I would want to be. I hope that stimulates some conversation and some thought. Thank you, John. Really appreciate that. Uh, that was the end of our three-part series. And if you're curious to read that paper that John was referencing, The Myth of Moral Neutrality, you can find that on his website at www.johnpatrick.ca. Additionally, if you guys are enjoying this, please subscribe either on the podcast or YouTube, your preferred podcast, and leave a review if you enjoy it. And additionally, if you want to ask John a question, you can absolutely do that. Check the links below for a link to ask him a question. I have set up a form for that. Or you can visit www.johnpatrick.ca forward slash ask. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next Wednesday.